0: another Saturday, another installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. It's November 21st, 2020, and I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Today's program is supported by all of the listeners and readers who are able to make a financial contribution, but it's also supported by those who cannot do so at this time. The information in this program is for everyone, as everything in it is intended to be for all of us. We are now four months into this program, and I'm continuously working on new ways to get civic information to you. Please let me know what you think, and I'm here for as many of you who are listening. And if you do want to contribute, we'll have some information about that at the end of the program. The seven-day average for new daily COVID-19 cases in Virginia has now climbed to 2,126 a day, That's based on today's report from the Virginia Department of Health of another 2,348 cases. The seven-day average for positive tests has dropped to 6.8 percent from 7 percent yesterday. The Blue Ridge Health District reports another 40 cases today, crossing the 5,000 threshold, with a cumulative total of 5,018 cases since March. Of that number today, Albemarle reports another 19 cases, and Charlottesville has 11 new cases. The in-person fall semester at the University of Virginia is now over, and as of yesterday afternoon, UVA reported 86 cases, with 59 of them students. There have been 1,254 cases identified by UVA officials as UVA cases since August 17th. Those numbers are included within those of the Blue Ridge Health District. The Charlottesville City Council spent about three hours yesterday in a budget work session to hear more information about capital projects. Staff had hoped for direction on what high-cost large projects are priorities. The two major items discussed were the multi-million dollar West Main streetscape, as well as the multi-million dollar renovation of Walker Upper Elementary and Buford Middle Schools. In general, no hard decisions were made at the meeting. I'll have more details from the meeting in Monday's newscast or in a longer story I hope to complete later on today. The Albemarle Board of Supervisors got an update last week on the status of the Crozet Master Plan from Whitehall District Representative Ann Malick. The Crozé Master Plan is a document intended to guide development and was first adopted by the board in December 2004 and updated in 2010. A long-awaited update is being shepherded by the Crozet Community Advisory Committee. The work is zooming along, according to Supervisor Malik. There were over 70 participants in the meeting last week. Lots of challenging new concepts are being introduced by staff to solve problems that hopefully if they work in Crozet will be able to be used across the county and the other growth areas. One of these is an effort to expand interpretation of the zoning code to allow and encourage more duplexes, triplexes, and other multi-unit buildings. The idea is to increase the number of housing units in the county. This is a little anxious making for the Crozet residents who feel a little vulnerable since nobody knows exactly how it's going to turn out. The Crozet Community Advisory Committee next meets on November 30th at 7 p.m. On the board's consent agenda Wednesday was a summary of public engagement efforts that will be made as Albemarle begins to look at its rules for stream buffers in the rural areas. A first phase of the stream health initiative looked at the development areas. Supervisor Liz Palmer of the Samuel Miller District asked for the summary to be removed for discussion. She suggested that rather than talk about the rules in the abstract, the public engagement effort could be more specific in order to explain how water quality can be improved. You know, picking a waterway that we know is being impacted, that we know is um, in trouble now and needs to be addressed, and maybe we could have lessons learned from that um, in a situation where we already know the area residents are very interested in doing something about it. Palmer suggested that the Mormons River would be a good waterway to look at because of the impacts of recreational use at the Sugar Hollow Reservoir. There's a lot of trash, um, erosion, etc. Kimberly Biasioli is Albemarle's natural resources manager. She said the goal of the second phase of the Stream Health Initiative is intended to be more collaborative than the first phase. The uh, report on the agenda today is really about this new phase of the project focused on the rural areas and and planning for how to engage the public and stakeholder groups, hopefully in, in new and strategic ways to not repeat necessarily what was done, but rather to build on it and create more of a collaborative and iterative process where we can receive feedback and incorporate that as we as we build on um, and work on building solutions. According to the report shared with the board, the discovery phase for the second phase of the Stream Health Initiative is expected to begin in January. An organization that seeks to increase the availability of passenger rail in Virginia wants you to give your thoughts on what it would take to get you back on a train whenever the pandemic is over. Danny Plogger, with Virginians for High Speed Rail, said the feedback will be used in the group's next report on the state of passenger rail in the Commonwealth. And and as you know, with all public transportation, mass transportation, whether it be airlines or rail or or buses, um, have been dramatically impacted because of COVID. And so um, what we've done is put this survey together to ask our members, ask everyday Virginians across the state, You know, what would make them feel comfortable getting back on the train? Plogger said previous reports called for the state to invest in rail, something the Northam administration accomplished late last year when they announced the purchase of -of right-of-way from private companies. We'll hear more from Plogger about that in Monday's newsletter. You can access the Virginians for High-Speed Rail survey in the newsletter. Finally today, a repeat of a story from yesterday. A volunteer group of computer programmers and technical experts is holding an information session this afternoon to find out more about what projects it can work on to benefit the greater Charlottesville community. Jonathan Kropko is the volunteer lead with Code for Charlottesville. Code for Charlottesville is a local chapter of Code for America, which is a um, national network of uh, groups that bring volunteers with tech or data, or code, or design, or research skills together to work on uh, a project for a community partner. So far, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects for the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. To find new partners and volunteers, they're holding a work session today at four for people who want to be part of the leadership team. First of all, there, there's there's a huge movement in the tech industry of uh, uh, the phrase they use is social good, and i want to put that in quotes, like social good, because a lot of times when they talk about tech for the social good, it's not really doing anything good for society. Um, a lot of times these projects kind of fizzle out without doing anything useful. Kropko said the goal of the information session is to try to come up with useful projects. He said that starts by recruiting volunteers. You have to do a good job with organizing so that people know what they're working on and what the goals are. Um, and you have to do a really good job communicating with your, with your partner uh, in the community. The code for Charlottesville Meetup begins today at 4 p.m. for people interested in civic tech. You can register at a link in the newsletter. And that's it for the Saturday edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter. As I said at the beginning of the show, there are many ways that you can support this. Thanks to all who have already signed up through Substack. That really helps keep me going, it really does. Thank you for all those who have done that. Some have even mailed me checks because they don't necessarily want to give a credit card to Substack. That's perfectly fine. There's also Venmo for the same purpose should you choose to do that. Then there's Patreon. Patreon is something I've used from the beginning uh, that really supports more of the general research and sort of the the idea that I'm here to continue to bring you information every single day. That's really what I've decided I want to do, and of course to make a living and to keep the lights on that's what I need to do so any of these ways are good but as I said if you cannot do that at this time there are other ways please share the content tell me what you think suggest other things that you think you might want to listen to is there anything you'd like to contribute what are you doing for Thanksgiving there's all sorts of ways to get involved and to begin to get content into all of these various podcasts and things that I'm doing And uh, that's why I'm here on Saturday, just to tell you that one more time. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host for all of this madness, and I'll be back on Monday or maybe even later on today with another report. There is the Week Ahead newsletter coming out tomorrow. So, again, that's what you're paying for. This is my job now. and I thank you for it. Have a great day and stay safe out there.